Hey, Joe. Robert, can you hear me? I can, actually, yes. The phone does work here in jolly old England. You've got some of that new technology that we're calling over the pond. This is That's right. That's right. They actually they call it the fast-paced over-the-pond network. Didn't we do – I think we were both in London at one time recording a podcast, and we were two floors apart. So we, <laughs> didn't we do that? That was – couple years we did ago. i think it was uh it was not england though i want to say it was amsterdam but it uh but it definitely was europe somewhere well no wonder i don't remember so now i'm just kidding actually i shouldn't say europe somewhere because i'm technically now i guess not in europe with this whole brexit thing oh geez is there uh are, what's what's going on in the news there should should you update us just people anything? are annoyed Pe- people are annoyed they're they're People are. What I'm finding is that people are more annoyed here than they are at home with our situation. <laughs> Why is that? Do you think? You know, I think they just see it as so much. Uh, it, it like it didn't have to be this way. Um, you know, on both sides, I think. Right. So it it feels like there's so much nonsense going on with, uh, you know, and you know, and and you've got the the classic British English stiff upper lip and all of that and and I think most the, most of the English um, people that I know here are just embarrassed right they're just they're just like ah this is ridiculous I, I can't even so yeah it's a it's 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 fascinating to me welcome, um, welcome but it's to, beautiful here do you say welcome to America you say that yeah, exactly, exactly what it's like in yeah. the U- United yeah. States right now I'm not that like welcome to our show. club <laughs> yeah no not at all. Well, well <laughs> I know. I know. Well, I'm glad that you're able to make it because you're very busy with your schedule. So I appreciate that's, you opening that's up correct. time. And I re- we have a lot to cover, so we we should probably get started. I think. What? Oh, we should actually do a show. I, well, we we could. We could just talk ah. about nonsense, or we could actually do a marketing show. Well, that is the show. Nonsense. <laughs> then let's just keep talking. All right, let's roll. And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with this old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 217 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded Thursday, September 19th, 2019. And with me, as always, the guy who would never dare to remake The Princess Bride, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? Do you know it's it's nine nineteen nineteen today? I know. Well, and the whole month has been the whole from the eleventh on. I think has been a palindrome. Isn't that fan- um, it's it's fantastic? I love. I saw some uh, image out there that was nine nineteen and nineteen seconds on nine nineteen. I'm just. <laughs> I, I don't know what something you are happen. easily amused these days. You are easily <laughs> amused. Yes, I'm just going to say it out what loud. Do you think I do all day. I look for I these look. little things. I just hunt for memes. I'm a meme hunter. I'm going to start. Hunter. I'm going to start a new television show and call it the Meme Hunter. And it's me. See the fact that you the fact that computer. you even the the fact that you even know what a meme is these days is what. You know, uh, okay. I have two sons. They're sixteen and yes. almost eighteen. Yes, that, we live in a house of memes. 
Oh, of course. You live in a house of Reddit. Yeah. They talk at me. Oh, Reddit. Jeez, that's the other one. And thanks, by the way, because it was probably like six years ago you turned my kids on to Reddit. And now they're on Reddit all the time. Yep. That's what I do. That's my job. It's kind of ridiculous, though, that my kids' surfing habits are the exact same as yours, which is just odd to me. You know, some people. Well, think I'm not sure they're the same as mine. I mean, well, <laughs> maybe just, they are. Let's hope not. Okay, <laughs> this is a family-friendly show. I don't want to go any further than this. Teenage boys and my surfing habits. Mm, yeah, probably sure. really similar. Yeah, it's probably the the exact same thing. Yeah, that's yeah, a whole different exactly. show. I think we're going to have to to put together. But you're in you're in London. You're doing a gig. I am. I am here in London doing a few things. Yes, I'm actually here for quite a bit. Um, I'm here in London working with a client uh, on a storytelling workshop, actually, which is lots of fun. And then I'm off to Dublin, where I'm working, ironically, on another storytelling workshop with another client. Uh, And then I'm off to Amsterdam for a couple of days, where I will see you, which will be totally fun. fun. Just weirdly coincidental that we happen to be in Europe at the same time. And then I'm finally finishing off my week uh, in uh, the lovely Copenhagen, where I'm going to Jasper Larson's event called the Edge Conference, the and Edge. I'm speaking yeah, at that. I yes. didn't get an invite to this one, uh, that one this year, but I, I'm you know we're crisscrossing, so you're going to the Edge, and I'm going right. to uh, Slovenia. Uh, That's to see right. Our friends at Pomp Forum, so that'll be, super. which is a fun event. It's a it's yeah. a fun event. I've um, I know you've spoken there. Uh, this will be, I think, my third time. But I was. This is their tenth year, which is a big deal. And I spoke at. The, oh my gosh. I spoke at the first one, so the, of course they wanted me back for the tenth. I mean, how could I say yes. no to that? Of you can't. Say I didn't. No to that I didn't say no. I said, of course, <laughs> of course, I will. I will come. And by the way, Ljubljana is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. It just most people don't get there. Uh, but if you ever have a chance, well. Absolutely. Most people don't pronounce it Ljubljana either, so well, it's it's, it, it's Ljubljana. <laughs> it's there's an L in there, just FYI. The L is silent, you don't, man. It is yeah. silent. It's only you only, you only well, pronounce it if you're if you live in California. There oh, are a lot man. of silent letters because here I can say it, but I certainly can't <laughs> spell it. I don't ask me to spell it because it's heard like it L J X. I've heard Five, it seven. a million times, but I've never heard anyone because they say it so fast you don't hear the L. I'm just saying. No, I'm yeah, not, you, I don't. You can, I, can, I'm not going, going to admit that I'm wrong. I'm. I'm not. No. You, I. That, not what else would be new? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should yeah. we get to our top yeah. show uh, well, wait, story I, here before we start? Do we need to talk? You know, we had content marketing world. Uh, we talked about it on the last episode, but we really. Do you have one big thought? from it uh you know the big thought from content marketing world was yet again a great show it's so always nice to see everybody and and such a great you know family reunion really more than anything else um i think the big theme this year was uh scaling how do i you know how do we make this a scalable thing in our business you know everybody is trying to meet the demands of the business of content and in varying degree it's not working out very well so that was the that was what i kept hearing in the hallways and then the conference uh, sessions and all of those things no you agreed it was fantastic event Uh, everything about it was fantastic especially seeing all the people i had breakfast with doug kessler who's you know also at velocity partners in in london and 
his comment to me was, well, content marketing won. Now what? You know, that's <laughs> right. We won. Yeah, no, it's a he great. Said, yeah. He said, I just thought it was curious the way that he said it. He said, well, you know, we won. Uh, it, it, people know that what we're doing is right. It's the right way to market. Now, how do we deal with this and how do we take the next step? And I think that's, that's right. kind of what you're talking about as well. I thought that was an interesting insight. From I, it's a fantastic, it's, as always, yeah, as always, annoyingly clever, I Mr. Know. Kessler. I just, it's, hard, it's hard to sit and talk with him because he's so smart. It really is. It makes me feel, yeah. I just had to sit there and eat my bacon. Like, oh, I feel so small. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now speaking we, now of, we speaking of. Well, speaking of feeling so small, uh, the other news that hits, I, this isn't our main story, but it is news nonetheless. I heard you received a few Oh my uh, gosh, I'm so notes. happy that you reminded yeah. me of this because uh, yeah. I uh, I went for my little run this morning, uh, and so I did that, and then, of course, I, I checked the tweet tweeter and see what was on the tweeter, and I'm getting all these people hitting me up saying, oh my gosh, Joe, you were right. You would have been right. And so I look at it, and basically... Yeah, you weren't right. You would hey, have hey, been right. Let me finish, sir. <laughs> okay. Finish. All right. <laughs> so they say, a uh, the, couple articles. I've got one here, and I'll put them in the show notes. One from Variety that uh, Jim McLeod sent me, and then one from Deadline that uh, Jacob Sanders sent me. And basically, I'll re- use the one from Variety. It says, Bob Iger would have combined Disney with Apple if Steve Jobs were still alive. Now, before you say anything, let me read this, and then, then we can listen to you, to you talk. Uh, it, says, <laughs> it, it says in an excerpt from his autobiography published Wednesday in Vanity Fair, Iger revealed that Disney and Apple likely would have merged if Steve Jobs hadn't died in 2011. He says, I believe that if Steve were still alive, we would have combined the companies." I think that is proof that all along I've been correct, and the only thing that got in my way was, was Steve Jobs passing away. Uh, by the way, for those new listeners, we've been talking about this literally for five years. I was always under the belief that Apple was going to buy Disney at some point, uh, and, uh, and we've talked about this on and off, and then here it is, now finally proof that I'm right. Here it is. No, it's not even close to proof that you were right. <laughs> because says, first of all, first of all it's on the internet which makes it true. Uh, that's right. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. Hashtag #fake news. Um <laughs> you know, so here's the thing. First number one data point, and you should know this. So, take a guess at what Disney's stock price was in 2011. It was much less. It, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was $34 a share. Guess what it closed at just uh, this week? Probably about 135 bucks. Yep, 142 dollars. Okay. So you're talking about you know really a lot less. It, so it would have actually been something they could have purchased or could have swallowed uh, in those in 2000. Yeah, but you got to remember, it, Apple at the same time has actually grown way more than Disney over that time. It, Disney and Apple in 2011 would have been more like a merger. Today, Apple would purchase Disney because this Apple is my point. This Apple. is my this is my point. Right. This right. is my point. Well, and my because my argument all along has been that Disney's way too expensive and Apple's not going to bite off all of that nonsense to to do this. And by the way, this was pre PNR, so the, our little our little, you know, dispute over this didn't I, even exist yet in know. the glimmer of anybody's eye. Yeah, but I didn't know anything about this inside conversation that there was actually a plan to make this happen. By the way, 
let's just put this out there. Disney's market cap right now is, I'm looking it up, real real news here, $244 billion. That's right. right. That's a lot of money. That would be probably the largest purchase in the history of of, uh, of the stock market, if you will, of, of public companies. Yet, Apple has $244 billion in their left pocket, jingling and well, jangling with the other change they have. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They'd have, to go, they'd, have to, they'd have to come raid some of the cash stores they've got in Ireland and, you know. Yeah, but it would. All it, of the it, offshore accounts. But, yes, okay, I buy that. The reason that. it wouldn't happen now is because the, the FTC will never allow that to happen. That's the reason why, even if they wanted to do it, it's gotten a little bit too big. Well, you but know, the premise these still, days. The premise is still correct. The two together would be like peanut butter and jelly. No, the two correct would be like Time Warner and AOL. This <laughs> is what would happen. <laughs> so, and yes. the, All and, right. Okay, so I guess we can't come to an agreement, even though it says it right here. I'll put it in the show notes. Everybody can read it. It would have happened. It, it, sure, yeah. It's 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 a lovely sentiment, and I'm I'm so glad Bob Iger said it. It's just to make you feel better. <laughs> That's really 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 good. Oh, okay. Um, well, the last thing in here. This is so funny. Walt Disney yeah. Company purchased Pixar for seven point four billion dollars at the time. You remember when that happened? Can you how, imagine? How they oh said my god! How they yeah. overpaid for that. That's yeah. That's so cheap today oh i know it's yeah, it's, it's, it's like uh, facebook buying instagram for a billion oh my god right things worth a hundred billion today yeah so anyways, it's amazing it's, it's amazing remember okay. when seven billion used to be a lot of money <laughs> i know i mean you can't even oh buy gosh. shoes for seven billion dollars now okay yeah all right we're gonna get on to our main story here even though we're sort of into talking about the news at this point but the main story we're going to talk about uh this week um comes to us courtesy of one of our friends jay akunzo's blog uh and it's a marketing showrunners.com great blog by the way if you're into uh all of the wonderful things creativity and show running and blog uh and uh, podcasting uh, jay runs a good show over there and the title of his blog post is why this b2b company just launched an entire network of shows inside the growing marketing move he opens up by saying it's foolish i think to make too many assumptions from the outside looking in when it comes to a marketing analysis for instance when we look at something that appears to work and appears to be beloved by a given brand's audience we don't just know how long that team took to get the necessary attention and trust and time so basically, he then goes on to talk about this uh, wonderful new network of shows that's being called the CNN for Software as a Service from the company ProfitWell, uh, where he talks about a blog post that they launched this new thing, including a number of things, but mostly this thing that they're calling a network of shows where they're going to be basically, as he puts it, the CNN for software as a service. He goes on to talk about some of the shows, some of his challenges with some of the shows, some of his accolades for some of the shows. And what say you, mister? This is um, this is right up our alley, of course, talking about you know a company acting like a media company. And But uh, you think it's too much too soon, or what's your take? Um, so first of all, again, uh, great, Jay, this is a great article. Uh, the detail that you go into is, is almost phenomenal here. I love the concept uh, when they go through... First of all, you got to remember, and, and Jay goes into this. They just didn't 
They've been they've been doing a content marketing strategy for a long time. They've had for three four years. They've had successful right. video series called I think the Pricing Page Teardown, which Jay goes into. Uh, they've really positioned themselves as a thought leader in the industry. They tell a different story than everyone else. They're doing all the right things, and then they've just made this decision. Well, they're gonna they're gonna go bigger, go home. They're gonna take it up a notch, and. I'm glad Jay brought up some of the MailChimp stuff as well and how the two are, are similar and different. My, for, I, I love what they're doing. I absolutely love it. I hope it works. Uh, but as, as I've told you before, Robert, I mean, I, I used to work at Penton Media, uh, a rather large media company at the time. They were about a $400 million company. They had about 100 different media brands. And whenever... Multiple things were launched at the same time. It never worked because it takes so much energy to put something great out there. Now, I don't know how many things this network will be. I don't know if we're talking about two things, 20 things. It sounds like something in between. They're, they're launching some endemic podcast, endemic video shows, um, all targeted the same audience, which I like. But that is a lot of energy. That is, it takes a lot of thinking and obsessing about the concept and and uh, experimenting to see if it works. And whenever we were at any one of these brands, and I worked with about 30 of the different brands at Penton, they'd always say, oh, no, this is the year. We budgeted for this. We're doing this new event. We're doing this new blog. We're doing this new video series. We're doing this new virtual trade show. And I'd get into these meetings, Robert, and I'd say, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? This thing is not going to work. And every time it failed. And there was usually one thing that ended up working because that was the thing that everybody focused on the most. So my recommendation to profit well would be great. Do the whole network, but don't do it all at the same time. You're create like, well, I'll give you an example. Um, Huffington Post is a really good example. Huffington Post was just one blog. And they said, okay, that, that works really well. And then they said, uh, we built our audience and then, then they launched a second blog. And then they worked on that a little bit more. And then they launched a third blog. They didn't just say, we're going to launch 150 blogs tomorrow and do this thing. And it's going to be great. It, it, evolved, it evolved into a network. It evolved into a media company. That's what all media companies do that are successful. So I don't know if you agree or disagree with this, Robert, but that's what I would say. I love the concept. Love everything about it. This is where a lot of companies need to go. I think it's a case study we need to look at and dissect. I hope they're successful. I just think it's too much too soon. Yeah, well, here's, okay, so I'm going to slightly disagree with you because I certainly don't disagree with you on the concept of what you talk about, you know, sort of the one platform, one audience at a time and evolve it. And, you know, that's something we've, you know, we, we've talked about on this show for a million years, you know, talking about that scalability. Here's what I will say, because we talked a little bit about this when we talked about MailChimp a couple of episodes ago. Um, here's what I'll say is, is that there is a fuzziness to that, um, because, look, I'm not sure how what they're doing is much different than what Yiska Bank did with their, you know, when they launched their TV newsroom. Um, they they went right for the jugular and went you know twenty four seven and launched a bunch of shows and now it was a news program and they didn't you know they didn't have it slated 
24-7 with different shows and video shows and podcasts and all sorts of things. They sort of said, hey, we're going to create this live 24-7 newsroom and we're going to give you news. Um, so it kind of was at the time the C, you know, it's sort of like if I look, if I think back to the origins of even CNN, you know, to keep this metaphor running here, you know, when CNN first started, it was just 24 hours of, you know, one person sitting at a desk reading the news, yeah. you know, they didn't start introducing shows and, you know, different segments and different kinds of things for many years. And so. I think that's where I get this fuzziness from, which is it's one thing to launch a 24-7 network of content. It's another thing to fill 24-7 with content. And then it's another thing still to fill it 24-7 with different shows that are, you know, the different sort of stop, beginning, middle and end shows. So I think to your point Given they have the hunger, the budget, the patience and all of that to sit through that and work through that, because inevitably, just like we talked in the MailChimp example, some of these aren't going to work. Some of them will fail. Some of them won't be as popular and they'll have to, you know, quit them and conceivably replace them with something else. As long as that has been built into the plan, I think it can work. To your point, if that hasn't been built into the plan and they're like, okay, these are the 10 we're going with and that'll fill the time. And if any, you know, six of those fail, well, then we'll only do the four that work. Then it's sort of like, eh, maybe we should have just figured this out the right way. So I think I think both answers can be right, I guess, is my point. So what? that's a that's the most non answer answer <laughs> I've ever heard. Well, here's the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm. Okay, so here's the answer. My, my answer then is I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. To start with, I'm giving, I'm, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say they thought that through and they basically have said we're committed to this, you know, rain or shine, and so we've got you know a hundred ideas for shows and we're going to populate what we think are the. 10, I'm making these numbers up, obviously, yeah. 10 best shows that are going to fill our 24-7 network. And as they become popular or as they don't work, we'll replace them with other shows. But we're in this for the long haul. And so, you know, to your point, their one platform is a news network, right? You know, so they're building yeah. one thing that happens to be populated with a number of things. And so I, I think it's just a scale thing, right? So it's, you know, it's you know, to, not not to draw the theme back to what we talked about at Content Marketing World, but it literally is how big is your idea? And, and uh, you know, and I think they've taken a big idea. And, to, and but to your point, we'll see if they can yeah, execute that's, on I mean, hey, all, I mean, you know, I love the whole, go big or go home thing. And that's exactly what they're doing. And that's fantastic. But if I just look at, and of course, I love, I talk about New York Times all the time because I love what they're doing. When they started this whole e-newsletter strategy, they didn't put out the big press release saying, New York Times is going to launch network of e-newsletters. They just launched one. And then that was successful. And they launched another one. They learned more from that. And then they launched another one. Now they have 100. And it's going incredibly well. Like why do sure. why why do we have to come out and say it's why do we have to set ourselves up for for the possible failure in public failure in that way it's like almost like Mailchimp did as well oh we're launching this big thing it's gonna be the greatest thing that's ever been why don't we just do one thing really really well learn from that and then build on that for the next one 
And I wish we would have done that more at Petten. I remember we did, <laughs> I can tell you all kinds of stories. I worked on this project called B2B Showplace. It was a, it were, they were vertical trade show, digital, vertical online trade shows. And this was in 2001. Just think about that for a second. Yeah, we had one in the HVAC market that worked worked really well. Yeah, and the our initial idea was okay. We had one in that market. Let's that's worked really well. We did our test. Let's wait until let's go do another one. Work of the bugs on that one because every market's different. And I know this is a little bit different of an example, but it works well for it. And then do then do three and four and roll it out that way. You know what we did? We launched sixteen after the first one all at the same time i remember the launch date it's like oh they're all going live everybody's going crazy pulling out their hair well it did, it did not work <laughs> it, did, it was a horrible failure because and i think it, if we wouldn't have uh, bitten off more than we could chew it would have been successful now you know maybe we failed in the execution maybe there were there's just too many examples of Brands and media companies going on here. Well, I think that's your point. Don't have I, to. Yeah, I think that's your point, isn't it? Is it is that you know it, it the the more you launch at the same time, the more risk you have in failing at execution. Yes. And so you know that's the that's that's the gambit that you're, is being played here is how how much can we handle, and you know because because what you're you know announcing that we're doing all this stuff is literally just announcing it right yeah. that doesn't shouldn't have anything. anything to do it right mean anything but um, why take but the unnecessary your... risk that's that's i think that's a fair question i think it's a fair question and and we'll see yeah we'll see what the we'll see what the lovely folks at profit well can yeah. can do because we want them to succeed very very badly the last thing i would say which is a great which i'm so interested in so i don't know if jay's going to find out more information but he talked about if they launch a network can you subscribe to the whole network almost like a membership site because he was talking about the mailchimp example where if you like a mailchimp show you just subscribe to that show you have so basically you could have 12 different subscriptions out there because there's 12 different shows i think it's like it's it's a really interesting uh, conundrum for the producer about how you do this, especially Profit Well is going out to the same audience. Mailchimp Presents going out to the same audience. So you re- realistically could launch almost a membership site or a Netflix type sign up instead yeah. of all these individual ones. I just, I mean, that's sort of in the weeds, but I think we have to think about that before we launch this because if you don't, you could really have, you could have subscriptions run amok after the fact. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I mean, not to again, not to belabor this, but but uh, Brewdog Publishing, uh, Brewdog Publishing, Brewdog Breweries, um, which is a Scottish brand uh, beer uh, brewery, um, launched a twenty four seven network like Netflix like network a couple of years ago um, that you were going to have to pay for and it would be subscribed to the whole network I have not looked recently to see how they're doing but they were going to launch a number of shows I should Brewdog, I will take we'll the action item yeah I'll look at it and see well, if they you know how they're doing with that and uh, or and maybe some of back. our listeners could go out and check out Brewdog I, I really don't like doing a lot of work so oh maybe good lord people could it's because you're you're a meme hunter you're you're, you're too busy oh hunting God. memes. do you know how exhausting it is hunting memes there's yeah, so oh many God. of them okay <laughs> <laughs> all right speaking of memes 
Um, and speaking of meme hunters, uh, let's move on now to our second segment of the show, which, of course, is our wonderful uh, in-depth section where we pick a couple of articles to sort of check out and go into depth on. The first one is one that you found, Joe. I did. Um, and it's really interesting. Um, it's got probably the most meme huntery headline I've ever heard. Um, the headline, and it's from Wired.com, so big surprise there. Um, this is how porn ended up on Ninja's zombie Twitch channel. I mean, you talk about a keyword plethora of oh SEO yes. karma there. It's just uh, huge. Anyway, the, uh, the article basically goes through and recounts a very odd uh, thing. It starts out by saying, anyone who's visited the dormant Twitch channel of Fortnite legend Ninja this weekend may have gotten a lot more than they bargained for. The page, it turns out, was directing users to a live stream of hardcore porn on Sunday instead of video game battles. Uh, Ninja, also known as Tyler Blevins, he should really stick with Ninja, um, understandably oh, wasn't happy to learn his channel had veered into NSFW, uh, not safe for work territory. He still has 14.7 million followers on his platform, and he tweeted out, disgusted and so sorry, he said. Um, the article then goes on to explain what actually happened, which was, and we'll get into this certainly, yeah. basically... Uh, after he left uh, Twitch for the uh, a, a sort of competing platform of Mixer, uh, basically they decided to start promoting other Fortnite-like channels and let the users run the sort of through social media and the algorithm run the display of that channel. And that's when all hell broke loose, as it were. What, what was your take on this? Yeah, so – and I have to give a little hat tip to my son Adam because uh, – as you know from my content marketing world presentation, one of my laws for the next 10 years is that social media, it's the end of social media as we know it. And so I was talking about the death of social and with Adam and, and Adam says, uh, did you know what happened to Ninja? And I said, no, I don't know what happened to Ninja. Tell me what happened to Ninja. And luckily I know who Ninja is because the kids talk about Ninja all the time. And, and uh, he's one of the biggest gaming streamers in the world and uh, and especially on twitch twitch is owned by amazon and ninja was not happy with some of the things that twitch was doing and got this huge multi-million dollar deal from microsoft's mixer to come over and start streaming on mixer so he leaves and this of course the people on twitch don't like this because ninja is one of the biggest streamers and so they're losing a lot of um uh, of, of watchability and advertising and all that other stuff. So they said, well, let's start putting the most popular Twitch content on Ninja's channel. So they just took over his channel and started throwing up the most popular. And then, of course, there was this whole porn thing. And I'm not going to get into that because I don't think that's part of the story. I think the story for me is that this is Ninja's channel. And Twitch just said, no, it's really not Ninja's channel. It's our channel. We're going to use it however we want. So they took those, whatever, 14.7 million followers and, and just started throwing, showing them all kinds of other content, which I just think is a sign of things to come, where even though this is probably more likely on streaming platforms like YouTube and Twitch, I think that this could happen easily on Facebook and Twitter and anything else and that we don't own our social channels and we better get ready and start preparing if we're businesses or entrepreneurs or individuals for this type of thing to happen over and over again. And I just, 
I, I read it over and over again. I just could not believe that they actually took control of his channel and said, oh, whatever, you're done. We're, we're going to yeah. use it. Well, I mean, it's, you know, we've we've seen this, you know, this is a strategy that media companies have employed, especially television networks, for, for a long time, uh, where, you know, if a show is canceled or a show leaves for some other purpose, they look at that time slot as a as a way to promote other shows, right? To cross, start cross promoting to that audience and saying, "Hey, listen, you know, you you know, you used to like Roseanne, maybe you would like another show here, and maybe you would like this show." And they start doing lower thirds during the you know season finale and all that kind of stuff and promote it. So it's the 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 practice is, I think, a well worn one. I think to me, what it shows to your point is that if you're going to do that you have to start taking responsibility for what's going on those you know th- those channels because you're basically saying this is our real estate and you're just on it right you're you ninja are just on our real estate and so the landlord you know to sort of belabor our you know continued metaphor of you know, rented land idea the landlord's coming in and saying hey listen ninja used to live in this apartment maybe you'd like to you know as you come looking for his stuff you'd like to go visit these other apartments over here to me what it brings up and i think this is where the porn thing is actually uh meaningful to the story is it's a two-way street on this whole rented land thing because you're right we don't you know we don't own where we you know where we are and social media is going to sort of move around us and we can't depend on it being you know if you're it doesn't matter if you're ninja or two knuckleheads like Joe and Robert you can't depend on it being there forever for you and being in your best interest you also can't depend on your neighbors because you know you know as much as this puts egg on the face of twitch um, you know, as indicated by his tweets, it also puts a little bit of egg on the face of, of Ninja as well. And so now we have to th- we, now we not only have to think about what we're putting on our social channels and how we're managing it because goodness gracious, it could get hacked or it you know we don't control the algorithm or, and all of that. But now we got to worry about what happens when we leave and they take over our you know we take yeah. if we have some incredibly popular channel, you know, on a on a social media platform, now we have to wonder what Facebook or Twitter or is going to do with our handle, right? Because they could just as easily go, yeah, at Robert underscore Rose with your you know small number of followers. We think we're going to put up you know an ad for marketing or whatever. It, it, so I think it's a it's a fascinating case study and yet another uh, support you know to your to your point about social media and the the death of social media as we know it. I love your take. I never thought about it that way. The only thing that I would say is I think it's different in the fact that, let's say, uh, you know, Jerry Seinfeld's going off the air. As the new content's being put up in the 9 o'clock hour, which is owned by NBC, it doesn't have Jerry Seinfeld's channel at the top. It doesn't have his face. No, that's exactly... That's That's the the difference with this one. Yeah, that is the... And that's a huge difference because someone can take over... You know, you, as you said, your Twitter account, your Facebook account, it's got your face like you're condoning this content on your site, like you're helping to make it happen. Correct. Uh, the, what My point there is, is that the reason that it's OK is because the network controls everything that happens in that lower third. Right. There's there. There's no way that some user is going to put up, you know, a porn stream in the middle of that lower third because 
NBC, in that case, sees themselves as a content network and takes responsibility for every single thing that goes across that network. Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and, you know, all of the other companies that we've talked about here have taken great pains to say, oh, no, no. We're not a content network. We're just a technology platform, and we don't have any responsibility for what goes up on our channels. And that's where this line gets really blurry is where Twitch is going, are we a content network or are we a technology platform allowing people to put whatever content up? Because they basically got caught you know, trying to be both, basically saying, hey, listen, we're going to leverage the, our users to promote content. But we don't. Our AI isn't strong enough to detect, you know, nudity. Quite frankly, and so therefore, this kind of stuff can happen. Yeah, I think you're right. That's why you know we've talked. I think a couple of shows we talked about this, where I think that in five years, in a lot of these social media channels and platforms, you're going to see owned content take more and more of a role because you've got these companies that are investing in their own content they're buying content platforms and they're going to have significant partnerships with core influencers so they'll have a little bit more control over the content because that's the biggest lie as you said that's the biggest liability is other people's content on their that's platform right. right now for fake news misinformation you go on and on this is a great example of this they have to control it ai is not going to help them do it all by itself that they're going to have to start making some decisions just like a regular media company would. Exactly. Exactly. Great point. Great well, point. yeah. So cool story. Interesting story. Fascinating. Um, and so let's move on to our last story in our in-depth section here, which is one that I picked. Um, <laughs> and I picked it for, a I don't know, a couple of specific reasons here, um, maybe to pick on Adweek a little bit. Uh, this comes to us courtesy of Adweek, uh, and the headline here is that Marriott is starting to look a lot like a media company. And I saw this in my LinkedIn feed. Um, a few people linked to it um, and with, you know, like, you know, good for Marriott. Oh, that's fantastic for Marriott. So glad to see that they're getting into content. And I was like, wait a minute, 2012 called and wanted their article back. Um, I, I Anyway, the article opens up by saying Marriott is starting to look a lot like a media company. Um, a feature-length piece about the history of Venice as old as Jewish ghetto uh, with a dollop of suggestions for modern visitors. A mini profile on mixologist and an informative Q&A. Apparently, the shape and size of an ice cube matters for your drink. And tips and tricks on five places to go when you get on the bullet train in Tokyo. This mix of high and lowbrow content written by journalists and published um, is also now getting into Marriott's content stream. The 92-year-old hotel chain is placing a big bet on what content from advertising and marketing feature stories and documentaries across video. And if this sounds at all familiar for you and PNR's audience, yes, we did talk about this four, I think four or five years ago when David Beebe was actually running that program there. Um, and the article goes on to detail in, you know, wonderful sort of a profile, um, the what Marriott is doing with its content marketing program, which of course is run out of a big studio that they built in uh, suburban Washington, D.C. and Virginia there. Um, and they've also, you know, talked through the CMOs basically being really behind it, who they also note, by the way, is also stepping down from the company at the end of the year and, and her work in this case, um, their work with Anna Kendrick and other celebrities. Uh, the whole thing is a really just a profile of what they've been doing for years, quite frankly. But then, and here's where the article I'll take in. This is not my rant, but it's just a little odd. The article takes a weird left turn about 75% 
in where it's basically like, you know, um, but can they really measure it? Right. You know, and, and it's like that, uh, you know, that I, I always think of the, the, I can't remember his name, the celebrity. Oh, really? You know, you know that, you know, that Isn't guy, that John Lovitz? Right? you know, yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, really? You know, it's not John Lovett. It's I'll, I'll have to look it up, but it's, um, and it starts the section by saying, is the numbers, are the numbers real, you know, and they go on to critique their, you know, the, what they're calling maybe the possible smoke and mirrors KPIs, you know, because they, for example, they have a, you know, uh, a, a social media video on YouTube that's got 7 million views, but only about a thousand likes and 380 dislikes. And, and, and then I, I'm just going to say oddly, they quote, uh, Christina Halverson, who is the CEO of Brain Traffic and a very smart content strategist, um, she says, doesn't that seem weirdly low compared to the view count? Um, they claim she's the person who literally wrote the book on content marketing, which is okay. All right. Um, content Strategy for the Web is her book, which is not a content marketing no, book. But if you're looking for a content marketing book, that wouldn't be it. That would it's not a be it. Strategy that would, book. The, the, correct. Um, and I can't imagine that she loves being called the one who wrote the book on content marketing, knowing her stance on content marketing. I can't imagine she enjoyed that reference. Um, but in any event, those what they're critiquing there are sort of the very vanity metrics that Marriott doesn't really look at having at least talked with a number of those people in terms of, you know, over the last few years, by the way, um, you know, they don't look at how many video watches we got and transform that into a additional incremental reservation in the hotel. For them, it has always been about positioning Marriott as a lifestyle company, you know, and now Bonvoy, of course, um, as a Mar as a lifestyle brand. And media plays an important role in that. So it's always been a brand play for them. It is not a lead generator for them. It is not about, you know, putting more, uh, you know, incremental butts in beds, as it were. Uh, but, you know, but of course it is as a brand play. So I, 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 I'm a little, you know, I'm a little annoyed at, at, at Adweek for sort of critiquing sort of basically vanity metrics like views and Twitter followers and all that sort of thing. And, and as if Marriott is saying, this is how they measure it, which of course Marriott doesn't measure it that way. So you know what, you anyway. know, what's so true. If, the, if this was about the ad campaign of the year and talked about the billion impressions it got, you, that would, it would never say, but are the numbers real? They would never yeah. ever do that to an advertising campaign. It That's is, right. It, it is. It's a travesty that they went that that direction and say, "Oh no, no, it, this can't be real." It's all kinds of fake going on. When, especially when the company doesn't even look at that as a key performance indicator, as you said. That's right. That's right. In any event, I, I I wanted to call it out because one, I I happen to be a fan of what they're doing. Um, you know, I and I and I'll ad fully admit that I have not kept up over the last couple of years um, with all and any of the changes they may or may not have made uh, in their studio. But I knew a lot about it when, you know, David Beebe, who I happen to know fairly well, um, would talk about it and I would see him at conferences and we'd chit chat about what they were doing and all the things they were doing. And it's an ambitious program and it's one that I've talked at at conferences and it's I've talked about it on online and in social media. And so it just, it was a weird, the tone of the article was really weird to me. And so I just wanted to call it out. I think uh, I was actually just trying to. When when was he at Content Marketing World? Do you? Yeah, it's like twenty 
2015, like four years ago, I think. 2015 or 2016. Yeah, because he talked about the same content, same, same concept, exactly. Uh, yeah, at, at yeah. The, it hasn't at, changed much, as I understand it. Yeah, there's just still, I mean, there's still, oh, 2015, you're right. Why Marriott is going all in as a media company in 2015. That's right, so, and they were getting all kinds of they were getting all kinds of press then from Ad Week and Ad Age and uh, and all you know we were like all giddy at the in those days for for them actually talking about content marketing at a at a big brand like that. Now I know they also had quite the adventure over the last couple of years as the merger has gone yeah. down and 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 they've been you know they've been really busy getting those you know infrastructures merged together. So if you told me nothing has happened in the intervening, you know, four years because they've been so focused on the merger, I'd go, yeah, I totally get it. I, yeah. I, I understand that completely. I guess the last thing I'll say about it is uh, the, the positioning of it where, you know, you said it sort of looks like an old article and I would agree with you. I, th- I think where we used to say, oh, Red Bull is a media company that just happens to sell soft drinks. I mean, how many times? I think we use that yeah, in our that's book right. in 2011 or something. You and right. I were talking about that. And we say, oh, Marriott is a, uh, a media company that just happens to book a bunch of hotel rooms or whatever you want to say. I think that's an old way. To, I think we have to move away from that because the innovative companies of the world, Marriott, Red Bull, Coca-Cola – Profit well, whatever you want to call them, they're all doing this. They're all doing this kind That's right. of thing. So you can't you can't position it like this is a new thing anymore. When more than half of the Fortune 500 have significant programs going on right now in this area, it's not like Doug Kessler said. We won. There, there, yeah. people are doing this. This is working. Um. So, anyways, that's. It's unfortunate they positioned it this way, and, and hopefully they, they won't do it again. Yeah, that's right. So there. Well, speaking speak, <laughs> speaking that's of that, that's all I got to say. We, yeah, that's, all, that's, that's it. That's all we I won. have to say well, about speaking, that. Speaking of, that's all I got to say about that. Um, speaking of winning, we have a winning, winning sponsor to talk a little bit about. Yes, Robert. This is about content marketing university. <laughs> I love how your voice changes. Yes, that is correct. You get your Jay Bear voice on. You get well, your Jay Bear voice. It's just like you, you know. do. You know, this is Robert. This is the PNR. This whole marketing sponsorship. It is contentmarketinguniversity.com. It's Shatner. Yeah, it's, this is to, content to, marketing. <laughs> That's good. Thank you. Uh, I can't do that. I can't do my, right. my Shatner, although he is a lovely person. He is a um, lovely man. So Content Marketing University, fall enrollment ends September 30th. So this is the last time you're going to hear about this one. you got to get on it right now. Fall en- enrollment includes six hours of core Content Marketing University modules by this guy named Robert Rose, who he does know a little something about content marketing. I was just, just going to leave it right there. But... <laughs> You can you can go for the six hours of Robert stuff, or you can stay for the <laughs> incredible ancillary lessons from Andy Crestadina, Jenna Reef, Jenny Magic, Tom Martin, and well, this is there's four, there's four. I'm, I got five people here. That doesn't make any sense. There's five lessons because I got five yeah. people. Well, Jenna and Jenny do it. Do one. They 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 do one together. Oh, 
So you get five people for the price of four. This is, that is even correct. better. I didn't it's even so know how amazing. good this sponsorship was. This is even better. Uh, Joe Lazowskis is the other one. All amazing people. They know their content marketing. You got to make sure you sign up before September 30th, contentmarketinguniversity.com to enroll. Use the code PNR100. That's PNR100 to save $100 off your fall enrollment. Uh, yeah. We've been doing Content Marketing University for how many years now? Probably oh. six, six, seven years it, now. Yeah, six, seven years now, yeah. We've had thousands of people go through the program. Um, very successful program. I highly recommend it. Uh, and if you get a chance, you need to. You just need to do it now in the next couple of days, or it's going to be gone. So there you go. That's, there you go. That's right. And you don't have to do it like right away. You can get in there, get your seat, um, and then at your leisure. You know, so you've got a long time to be able to uh, to take the classes and do all of that. So it's. Uh, it's a good time to take advantage of it, and then just you know, at your at your pace, you can take all those uh, wonderful lessons. And so you're so, saying, hurry yeah, up it's and a lot register. of fun. So you're saying, hurry up and register, and then you can wait, and then you can. Sit That's back correct. And you're like, whoo, I made That's it. That's correct. That's right. Thank you know. goodness, I made it. Okay. Get that sweet, sweet end of year training budget. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for our last segment of the show, which, of course, is your favorite segment of the show. And it's uh, you know, a rants and rave section where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that's made us feel like, uh, oh, a Bob Iger having breakfast with Steve Jobs or something more realistic, I think. Um, let's see. I, You know, you're going to go first today. You've got, uh, you've got a couple of things. You've got a rant and a rave. A couple short things. I'm going to yep. do the rave first because our friend, uh, Gary Wollenhaup, uh, which is he's at Gary underscore rights on Twitter, sent a fantastic case study. And I wanted to send this. The, the name of the company is called Freight Waves, FreightWaves.com. We'll put it in the show notes. Uh, he was talking about, uh, because we've been talking a lot about brands buying up content properties, Freight Waves has actually been doing this. They've been creating their own organic content and they've been buying a number of properties as well. The company sells data services to the transportation and logistics industry, so very sexy industry. Uh, and in the past two to the three years, they've really developed the powerhouse content marketing platform. They've got news, blogs, videos, podcasts, webinars. They started slow, and then they figured out they with the strategy, they're going to create some organically and some uh, that they purchased. Oh, I just wanted to keep this short, but if you get a chance, go to the site. I tooled around it a little bit, Robert, and this is... It, it it really you go to this site and you think it's a it's a CNN it's like a CNN it's like a news company wow. and oh by the way they sell a lot of data products and they've yeah. really become one of the leading experts in this industry because of the way that they position this content and a lot of people rely on them for news in the industry I could see this as as the leading media company in that industry and they just happen to sell other stuff right we just that's amazing so yeah. freight waves thanks to Gary. Uh, Gary gets the shout out on this one. Re appreciate you sending that on. Um, and then my rant. So that's my rave. My rant. Robert, I don't know if this is a thing. So I'm going to throw this out to you in the community to help <laughs> me figure this thing out. All so, right. A lot of people don't know this, but The Will to Die, which is my, uh, my first novel, 
It's a mystery thriller. It's coming out in the next couple months. A lot of people don't know that that I've decided to launch this as audio only. Um, and I'm, so I'm, I'm doing this. I'm putting the strategy together. And I go to Audible. And I'm trying to set up my profile to launch it as an audiobook. Well, wouldn't you know it, Robert? I can't figure out how to launch just an audiobook unless you have a print book first. Yeah, you can't. You can't do this. Yep. Full stop. You can't. I am very disappointed. Yeah. By this. You and Mark, you and Mark Schaefer, by the way. Yeah. I didn't know that Mark had this problem. I should have talked to Mark. Yeah. Mark wanted to just launch as an audiobook first. That's I understand that to be true. Yes. Um yeah, I understand that he was he was having the same challenge uh that he wanted to do an audio only book and couldn't do it without an ISBN number and of course you can't get an ISBN number without having a print book. Well, no, 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 that's not it. Oh, it's not. You, you can get the I have the ISBN number. You can Oh, get, you do. You can, okay. Yeah. You can get an ISBN number for just an audiobook cuz I already have Oh, that you can. Done. Yes. Okay, gotcha. The problem gotcha. is the problem is when you go into Audible and you set this thing up and you say, okay, I want to launch a new book. It's called The Will to Die by Joe Polizzi. It'll search, and it's searching for the print companion. So you can't get to step two because you have to select the step one first, and there is no step one. There's no print book right now. Well, can't you put then, can't you just literally, and I, you know, I mean, I don't. we don't need to debug this you know, live on the show or anything, but couldn't you put up like a one page you know quote unquote book for one penny um you know or literally a transcription of your audio and just basically say don't buy this but this is here to no you so what you could do and this is i may do this i don't know if i don't boycott the whole thing but what i what i may do is i can say here's the print book not launching until let's say 2020 or something and then once i have that reserved it's like you know, to come later, then I can launch the audiobook because there's a, oh, there's a, a print profile of it. But at some point, I would have to then, you know, unless I kept putting it off, I would have to launch something, you'd think. Yeah, that's interesting. Anyways, yeah, no, that's, yeah. In this day and age of how audiobooks and podcasts are taking off like crazy, I find it hard to believe that on Audible, I can't just launch an audio-only book. Now, Well, didn't, didn't Malcolm Gladwell literally just launch an audio-only book? No, I don't believe that's correct. I believe what he did is he launched a very different version of his audiobook. It's much different than the print, but it's still called the same. He has a print book. You can buy a print book right now. And then if you buy the audiobook, he added a lot of extras into the audiobook, which is uh, okay. a, different, a gotcha. different kind of experience. But sure, of course. There's still a print. There's still a print, which I like. I love that model. He just didn't do a reading. Of the print, he did something very. I think it's called talking with strangers or talking to strangers. Yeah, that's like right. That. That's right. This is new yeah. thing, right? It's <clears throat> it's, and I understand quite good. Yeah, I've heard nothing but nothing but good things about it. So, anyways, that's my rant. And if huh. anybody out there uh, knows different, uh, hashtag us up at this old marketing, and let me know that I'm wrong and I wasted five minutes. Time. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yes, yeah, right. so it would be. I, I'm following. I'm following the hashtag because I'd like to know that myself. Um, all right. I have also both a rant uh, and a rave, both of them also very short. Um, let's do, I will do my 
my rave first. Um, it, it, it's less a rave than it is just something I just was delighted by. This, by the way, I, this has been like the case study show. We've been like, you know, just sort of example, 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 example. We've had, you know, tons of examples this show. Um, this uh, comes courtesy, by the way, of a wonderful listener. Remember, re- remember our very frequent contributor, uh, Bethany Johnson? Yes, she was. Of she was always the one I could never get the Twitter name Liberty, right. Liberty Gibbet. Exactly. Yes. Yes. She's got the. If she became Voldemort, right? She became that. That who shall not be named on Twitter. Um, <laughs> so, because uh, her, it's Fanny Bethany B or something like that. Anyway, she sent this over, and I just thought it was delightful. Uh, you know, well, she's delightful first of all, but but um, the 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 article she sent over was delightful because did you know, Joe? Um, that Hasbro, you know, the big toy company, of course, um, Hasbro uh, has made a few acquisitions and just recently made a very large acquisition when they bought British company Entertainment One. Um, Entertainment One, of course, being, you know, uh, they, they, they do the, the kids thing, Peppa Pig, uh, PJ Masks and all that kind of stuff. Well, they also happen to have one other small little business that they own. Um, it's a little business that was started uh, by our good friend, uh, really good friend of the show, Dr. Dre. <laughs> you might have heard of him. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. Dr. Yeah. Zod every once in a while. Yeah. yeah. Uh, basically, uh, yes, Death Row Records. The famous, world famous gangster rap um, and, uh, uh, yeah, well, just gangster rap label, record label that was founded in 1991 by Suge Knight um, and Dr. Dre um, is basically now a Hasbro property, which I just find absolutely delightful. I cannot wait to see what uh, Hasbro does with the wonderful uh Death Row Records. I have to imagine that they, they will sort of sell it off or spin it out or something. But um, I think we need I, a whole Kenner action figure line. <laughs> exactly. Um, Tupac, and Dr. Dre, and maybe a little bit of Eminem. That was, you know, that was a little bit later. But yeah, that's right. We, well, it's like Snoop I think I, one of the articles. I think it was Rolling Stone. One of the articles that mentions this um, said, you know, the Transformers could not be uh, reached for comment, <laughs> <laughs> which was. Which was just so great. I'm really so, curious. So I mean, they, they probably will just sell this off, but it would be super fun if they didn't experiment with this and tried something. Uh, can you just imagine the sort of suited up product managers at Hasbro going, ah, Kenny, can you get uh, can you get on that Suge Knight thing, um, that death, death row thing? We need to get uh, we need to get some products out of it or something. <laughs> I think of the meeting in Toy Story where they're like, you know, it's a building that turns into a robot. <laughs> oh, anyway, I, I make myself laugh. Okay, so my rant, yes. which is also very quick, uh, is, and we'll link this obviously in the show notes, is on Ikea. Uh, Ikea attempted, you know, it's sort of like the, it's the you had one job meme, right? You're sure you've seen that in your meme hunting, um, you know, uh, days. Uh, basically, they launched what could have been the coolest content marketing thing that I've seen in a while, and they just totally blew it. Um, have you heard that they've launched this, what they called their, their, uh, the slow channel? Um, no, I've not seen this. So, so what they did was they launched a YouTube Live, which is going to broadcast, still broadcasting, by the way. It started on uh, on uh, September 10th or something like that, and it's going to go for 14 days. So as of the release of this show, I think it'll be just nearing wrap-up. Um, 
And basically, it's a live shot of the bow of a ship going to Australia um, with all these IKEA goods, right? So all this furniture and stuff that they're bringing from um, wherever they manufacture it in Sweden, I guess, um, out to Australia. And you basically just see the bow of the ship and the beautiful water. And it's day and night, right? It's 24-7 live streaming. And the idea behind the channel then is that the audio is really calm, peaceful music, like meditation music, and a voice that's basically basically going to take you through, you know, very relaxing, you know, you can meditate, you can fall asleep to it, you can, you know, and it it's really just very peaceful. Now, that would have been brilliant, I think. It would have been a brilliant piece of content that I think would have just been just perfect, right? You know, basically, what are we doing? We're helping you relax. We're helping you relax by showing how we do things. And this is, you know, such a great branding thing. No, what they did was as you start listening, you're like, oh, this is so lovely. The music is nice. I'm, I'm going to turn down the lights. I'm going to relax. And then they start, and I'm not even joking, reading the Ikea catalog. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. They say, we're starting with bathroom. When you buy an Ikea toilet, item number 75737771, it comes in four sizes. It comes in slate blue or Ikea white. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's maddening that they would actually think that this is a good idea. And so it's crazy. So it's my, that's my rant this week is, is that they, it, there was this opportunity to do something really fun and interesting, and they kind of they blew it. I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I haven't listened to it. I'm going to have to check it out yeah because uh, it's it's i need some new appliances so I'm, I'm maybe <laughs> you can listen as i get into go listen to the into, ikea catalog in, yeah in, at, at minute 35 they'll get into yeah yeah that's yeah they, yeah floor. they're taking it all the catalog. way through bedrooms and the whole thing yeah oh, so all right good deal all right well what's uh what do you got this week uh i'm I'm doing all kinds of. Uh, well, I'm, wor- I'm working on book stuff, of course, that we just talked about, and I'm trying to get the newsletter done early so I can meet you in Amsterdam and we can have a good time. We're gonna have a good uh, time. With, uh, our friends AJ and Bert, and then you're going off to do your thing, and I'll be going off to Slovenia. So yeah, I mean, I actually, it's sort of like a work. It's really odd. I'm actually working a little bit, and I'm doing. Yeah. I'm doing. It's I, good for I you. I did seven content marketing laws in Cleveland and I'm doing for content marketing world and I'm doing eight in Uh-oh. Slovenia. Oh a, yeah. A bonus the law. Bonus law. The, the law that could not be heard in Cleveland will be heard <laughs> in Europe and you will like it. Okay. <laughs> in Ljubljana. Yeah. What do you got? I know what you got. You got all kinds I of get, stuff. Yeah, I got, I got this, then I got Dublin, then I got, I got planes, trains, and automobiles throughout Europe and then I'm, uh, then I'm off on a very short a uh, little uh, vacation with the family in Hilton Head, nice. so uh, I'm gonna enjoy some time off. Yeah, Very nice. and congrats on your Cowboys. Thankfully, the Browns won. We're we're one and one. You're two and zero. Oh. You look yeah. dominant. Cowboys. Yeah, are great. it's a Dak came. Yeah, Dak, they look Dak good. Looks fantastic. So they're good. calling. I'm happy. They're for calling him. him Dak. They're t- calling him Dak Pacular. Oh my! He's God. he's that. Yeah, that good. <laughs> that's not good. That that whoever no, started I know. that. Has got to go. Yep, that is right. Uh, And that is us. We have to go. Uh, We are signing off, folks. And if you like this episode, episode number 217, 
That's right. Once you subscribe or resubscribe or get yourself a shiny new subscription, um, you know, you can always have multiple, you know, sign up multiple times. We, we, we don't mind at all. Uh, our aim, we want to be the number one marketing podcast. We have a goal and we can't thank you enough for helping us get a little bit more toward that goal. All your encouragement, all your listenership, all of the wonderful comments that we get on social media. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It is so heartwarming to get all of that. And we hope you'll continue to trust us to bring a little more silliness, a little more chuckleheadness to your life. Um, If you don't realize, if you're new to the show, we are publishing twice a month. That's every other week. And uh, if you want to get more of Joe's stuff, uh, I think your site just launched, Sites didn't you? Where's uh, where? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can go to joepolizzi.com. I'm giving away uh, my complimentary audiobook on the three life and marketing things that'll change your life. Um, so you, if you sign up to the newsletter, you'll get that. And yes, you'll see my wonderful face all over the new joepolizzi.com site. My wife absolutely loves it. No, she doesn't. She hates it. <laughs> But <laughs> but I like it. So, yeah, check it out, JoePolizzi.com. And you, sir? Uh, uh, for me, if you are interested in any of this nonsense that I talk about uh, from the business side of things, including blogging and articles and thought leadership and all the consulting stuff that I do, please check me out at Content Advisory. Uh, that is contentadvisory.net or our shiny new little URL, which is tca.inc, tca.inc. Uh, and, of course, give us story ideas. Hashtag us up, won't you? Uh, hashtag this old marketing. Everything we talk about is uh, is is going to be posted in the show notes itself with the show. Um, and that is it for us. Remember, everybody, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next time on this old marketing.